0: Welcome. Macra. <laughs> Welcome everybody to episode 112 of the MetaBealers 2 podcast featuring uh, myself, Ben. And David. And this week. Yeah, what are we doing this week? Well, we are, we're trying to desperately ignore the fact that there's Macra around. They exist. They don't exist. <laughs> there is no such thing as Macra.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we've been we've been watching the new we've Macra, been, um, we, Macra we've Terra. We've been mainlining Macra here mainlining for the Macra, last three yeah. days here. Yeah, product and of our
0: good friends Guy Ritchie and Martin Garrity. Is it Guy Ritchie? Not Guy Ritchie. What Rob Ritchie. Called? Rob Ritchie. Who's Guy <laughs> Ritchie?
1: Uh, I don't know. Oh, he's
0: that film director. Is that Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels guy. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's Rob Richie, Rob Richie is, our good, is yeah. our good friend. Um, <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah, so uh, we've been watching Macra.
1: So shall we talk about it as a product? We both, I think, got the DVD version, correct?
0: We both got the DVD version. Um, we didn't get the Blu-ray version. Why didn't you get the Blu-ray version?
1: I haven't gotten a means yet to play a Region B blu rays oh. so I bypassed that. I know I can rip a... Uh, pal uh, region 2 gotcha. dvd so right. not not a problem there so that i just opted for that the north american edition isn't coming out until october which yeah, is it's ridiculous ridiculous yeah like
0: i would have thought basically everyone in north america is just buying them from amazon i mean from UK, right i amazon. think they're so I killing
1: my... their u.s market because uh, I'm, I'm assuming bbc america wants to broadcast this i guess but you would think that they would have gotten to it a little sooner. Yeah, October is
0: <laughs> just ridiculous. That's literally yeah. the other end of the year. Um, I was a little bit irked, I'm afraid, because the booklet that comes with yeah. the DVDs obviously yeah. sized for the Blu-ray. Um, mm-hmm. And really doesn't fit well in the. Mm. It kind of rattles around in mm. the uh, in the the DVD case, which I don't like. Um, but now here I, guess, I thought it was you know. a treat
1: because if, oh. if you bought the North American edition, you would not have gotten a little booklet at all. None of the DVDs from the. A North American market have, have booklets. booklets. No booklets. W-
0: why A North American market buying people, why do you buy the North
1: American market <laughs> ones? They're more expensive and they're not as good. That is true. I, I don't know why I did it. I think I picked them up cheap to begin with and then I had the then completionist. I wanted wanted to have the full run and then... <laughs>
0: It's gotta look the same on the shelves
1: taken away from me by having uh the no Beatles in the chase yeah oh my god what what
0: a terrible dilemma but at least it leaves you open to buy all the blu-ray all the blu-ray sets when as they come out you see i yeah have now find it very hard to do that because that means i would have bought all these like three or four times at that point mm-hmm. so anyway. plus
1: season 12 is now impossible now to get and Really, uh, is Region it? B? Yeah, oh, it's, it's out of print in the UK, and so Brits have been importing it from North America. Blimey,
0: it's just ridiculous. They should either make enough of them or too many, rather than too few. <laughs> I think that's I think that's silly. Anyway, well, um, we are yeah. um, so getting, getting far off, off the topic. Yeah, we're yes. getting way off the topic of Macra. Um, mm-hmm. so previous animations. I think the last animation we talked about was Power of the Daleks. Yes, which I of course bought in the authentic uh, black and white version, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I've only seen the black and white version, with with Macra, I decided, okay, I'm going to go the opposite, and I have only watched the color version.
1: Interesting. Yes. Which version did you watch? I watched the color version first, and then I watched uh, spots of the black and white version. And I think it's just a desaturated version of the color version. I could not tell different shading or anything where there might be. So maybe that's not the case, but from my unexpert eyes, it did look like it was just a desaturated version. Uh, color version.
0: Yeah that kind of makes sense which you can kind of then you wonder why they bothered but I guess you can't really turn down the color on TVs anymore can you so I guess that's why they did. It's a little did. hard. Well, yeah.
1: the, the, the thing is that they learned from experience that uh, BBC America is just going to colorize it and it's going to look like crap right. so you might as well do it in color first and right. then have some control over yeah. how you decolorize it or desaturate it to yeah. make it black and white.
0: Well, again, I mean, I'd read about how, you know, there's some judicial editing um, that they did. So and also, of course, how, you know, they've really punched up and we can talk about we'll talk about this more fully later on, I'm sure, how Mm -hmm. they punched up the macro in terms of design. So it seemed to me really that they've kind of made an editorial decision here or a directorial decision Mm -hmm. to really not adhere so slavishly to. What little we know of Macro on screen, um, right. and have really kind of created something in some ways new from mm-hmm. from the soundtracks. Uh,
1: Charles Norton, who is the uh, producer director of the Macra. animations of Macro, Power, and Shada, decided intentionally that they were going to divert from the the filming script that John Davies, the director of Macro, back in '67, put put forth to bring it to a twenty first century audience since there was so little footage and right. you know, a very selection, a very small selection of John Kira telesnaps to go off of. So right. in his uh directoral wisdom decided that he was gonna t- to go off go off course a little bit. Uh, and instead what do of you, doing a um, faithful recreation, which they did more or less did with power. Yeah. So what do what do you think about that? I'll have to say there's some very incensed
0: Ming Mongs on the internet <laughs> who are who were very, very cross about I don't know Polly's hair, Polly's mm-hmm. clothes, yeah, the lack of the what is it, the rumid, the you know machine that rubs up the doctor. Yeah, et cetera, the, rough et the rough and tumble machine. Rough and tumble machine.
1: That's it. That's yeah, it. I might have to put myself in that Ming camp. So perhaps <laughs> ah, David the Ming There you go. <laughs> perhaps that we should talk about that uh, towards the end because okay. those are. I have a list of things I actually do really, really like on this. Okay, all right. Okay, yeah, yes, let's start out with the positivity. Um, I thought the character
0: design was excellent. Um, I looked at the uh, the other thing that's on the DVD is this very shortened version of the first, first episode of Wheel in Space. Right. Um, and I thought that the Jamie and the Doctor there were very much works in progress. Mm-hmm. I thought um, all of the characters looked great. In the animation, yeah,
1: Martin Garretty's redesign from basically from the ground up of Ben works so much better than his yep. design and Power. It yep. it is recognizable as Ben Jackson, able bodied yep. seaman. Yep. And so that that was a good good choice. And I know uh, Garretty wasn't very happy with the outcome of Power, mainly due to time constraints. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. They got much more time to work on this and a bigger budget, and it shows that what they Does can show, do. Yep. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. the other real thing that made a difference is they used a, a Bristol-based animation studio, Sun and Moon, that they could focus all the work in-house. And that, I think, rather than display or dispersed across the UK doing animation, having it in a central location with an animation team really made a difference as well. So hat, yeah. hats off to Sun and Moon Studio for their animation work with it. Yep. I don't know if you've done any reading about it, but it isn't the Flash animation that they did with Power and Shada. They have a new tool. Oh, I did not read about that. A new piece of software. Uh, It's uh, Tomb Boom Harmony. Toom Boom Harmony, yeah, Good Lord. right. There you go. <laughs> the thing about it is, they you can see a little bit of like Flash style animation, like with the drum majors, the the women marching at the beginning, and it's much more jerky, much more clunky, and. Mm-hmm opposed to the animation that they did with Trouton which is much right. more smooth much more believable and you get a much higher quality and so this uh, so Sun and Moon Studio took a risk on this they had just learned the software and this is their first product with it so <laughs> i think it's a testament to the software uh Toon Boom Harmony and just the the quality of people the animators at Sun and Moon Studio
0: yeah so we've got Martin Garrity I'm um, doing character design. Mm-hmm. we have Adrian Salmon um, storyboards on the case as well storyboarding yeah. mm-hmm. um and we have uh you know uh, John Howard
1: do I mean John Howard oh, for the backgrounds Colin Howard for the backgrounds yeah, 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 yeah.
0: and it really shows mm-hmm. it really, really shows it looks amazing mm-hmm. um the the kind of exterior designs, which again, I've no idea. What reference they used for that because I'm not sure. There's a huge amount of reference around, but you know, it looks the exterior of the colony looks great. Mm-hmm. The colours look great. Uh, everyone's clothes look great. Um, I would say maybe Peter Jeffrey looks a little younger than he does on the telesnaps snaps that I was looking at, but that's fine. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's a really, really slick. Uh, the animation it's 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 a, it looks really, really good. It it, it looks so much better. To my mind, than than power, I haven't seen, I haven't bitten the bullet and gotten Shada. bought my kind of tenth version of Sar- Shada yet, because <laughs> <clears throat> it's really just like, oh my god, how many versions of a sh- of a story I don't really care for that much need
1: I own in my life? Right. But anyway, so I can't compare it to
0: Sharda, but it just looks so much better than
1: Power. Yeah, I I wonder now if they would go back and redo Power because it just, Ooh. it just really it really does need help. A lot I think yeah. so, but yeah, but there are other stories that they would animate
0: which which is helpful, of course, because i mean i I mean david, i know you're a I know you 're a big trout mm-hmm. fan, um Indeed. and obviously yeah, season four um it's, it's' a probably a favorite of yours or something mm-hmm. anyway uh, i mean it 's a pretty thin story let's, let's terror it. yes, yeah, yeah, there's not a huge amount going mm-hmm. on, I mean, the main thing about macroterro is the Macra, Right. basically pretty much every cliffhanger is like, ah, oh, here's the Macra, mm-hmm. and then they kind of go away after the cliffhanger, only oh, to return again, yeah. <laughs> and the next the next cliffhanger. So I so. think yeah. by
1: uh, going off of what they could do in 1967 and having Rob Ritchie doing a 3D uh, crab model yeah. and having more than one Macra, I think really mm-hmm. works. It really helps sell the Macra as this... Uh, sinister force that's uh, uh controlling the colony.
0: Yeah, and and they are super sinister and, and you know obviously the uh you know those sensor clips right. uh, which is pretty much well I guess there's also the Shorecraft movie. Right. Uh, but between the Shorecraft movie and the sensor clips that's what we know of original macro mm-hmm. and they're good enough but I mean I think uh, the 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 Mike Tucker's commentary on the the Shorecraft movie um says you know there's no way that anyone nowadays would attempt to do a physical prop <laughs> for a giant crab. space crab, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, would be, would be CGI or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, again, it's entirely appropriate. Mm-hmm. It, I've, I've, they, they look super threatening. They scuttle around. What's interesting to me, though, and maybe you can help me, I mean, I love the sound design on it. So i have not really listen to the kind of bare soundtrack of, of Macro Terra because right. I just found it too dull basically mm-hmm. I mean I love the music the songs it's super amazing I'd so love that's to have that's
1: that. all Dudley Simpson there that's
0: yeah exactly mm-hmm. um Dudley Simpson songs are fabulous I'd love to have those kind of released in some kind of way but the kind of the bright, the Hodgson sound design is great you know all the kind of woo, bleeps and boops and kind of you know going through sounds. the pipes and that kind of Oh yeah, fantastic of uh-huh. but what what kind of interests me is does Macro don't really have a sound yeah, they don't, they don't make a scuttly sound. Mm-mm. They don't make a kind of zorby sound. Right. They don't kind of waggle their legs like a Wirren might do. They're literally silent, apart from their you know when they're being the controller, mm-hmm. which is kind of weird because the animated crabs are so cool looking. I was like, well, why aren't they making a scuttly sound? And well, right. of course, they're not going to add in a scuttly soundtrack sound to Mm -hmm. you know because that really would get the ming mongs um up in arms (laughs) if they altered the soundtrack (laughs) as well right but then what you realize i mean i wonder why they don't really make a huge amount of sound in the original soundtrack um but um i don't know
1: i wonder if it was a a directorial decision or logistics because all that's super silent all that studio sound had to been played live action and maybe that was just too much i you know i I don't know the actual logistics of of why that decision was made but yeah Yeah. you would think but in some ways they're more creepy that they're silent
0: well what it it really kind of brought home to me is actually what they are because obviously you know the 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 story editor or you know jerry davis is involved at this point in kind of, you know, honing the stories. And what, I mean, what they are is they're a disease. Yeah. They're a lot nearer to the nucleus of the swarm than they are (laughs) to the Wirren in terms of like what they're doing is they are, they have infected the colony Mm -hmm. instead of, you know, instead of microbes, they're macrobes just like the nucleus of the swarm is invisible enemy.
1: Hence the name. (laughs) Uh, Hence
0: the, hence their name. So they're not, I mean, there's no reason why they should look like crabs at all, basically. They only really look like crabs because, you know, over the years people who remember watching Macra Terra, you know, when they were six years or six years old in mm-hmm. the 60s, identified them as being giant crabs, right. when actually, they're just kind of big microbes, right. they're, they're macrobes. Right. is what they are. Right, right. And that actually came off really, really clearly in the story. And I guess that's, in some ways, why, you know, watching the animation, and that's, in some ways, how I'm understanding why they don't make crabby sounds, mm. because they're not actually crabs. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. it's just, And again,
0: and, and they're, they're not really described, and no one really knows what they are in the show. Everyone's right. like, well, they insects, look like insects or bugs, like right? Rats. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Brr. yeah. So, yeah. Anyway.
1: Yeah. I mean, that really does come, I think, from a more modern interpretation of the macra than what yeah. was actually on screen back in 1967. Absolutely. You know, I think it was. Uh, further pushed along by rtd in gridlock when he had the macro cameo right. in there that macro are crabs rather than macro uh Macrobes. bacteria yeah yeah. Macrobes. yeah 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 yeah
0: yeah they and they infect the colony and mm-hmm. they live off you know weird gas
1: gas and people it does seem to imply that they do eat People,
0: yeah, they kind of breathe gas and eat people. Yeah, I guess that's what I was kind of mm-hmm. understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the
1: thing that I thought was weird, just in the story sense, is they need this gas to survive, but yet then they're outside in the building sites. You would think they'd be entirely in the pipes and subterranean if they needed gas. Well, maybe the gas. they wear
0: maybe they wear special, you know, <laughs> like breathing apparatus. <laughs>
2: I mean, they might do. I mean, you know,
0: who knows? You know, maybe they've got, like, masks and kind of tanks on their backs or something, you know, with their special gas. I mean, I guess I kind of wonder about their biology in general. Like, were they there on the planet to begin with? Right. Did they come from space? And Mm -hmm. if they came from space, like, why are they adapted to breathe a special kind of gas that can only be found underground on this planet? Mm -hmm. And if they need people to mine the gas for them, then how did they survive before the people arrived? Right. Not really super well thought out, but then it's in Stuart Black, so you know <laughs> uh, the, neither neither the Savages nor the War Games is particularly well thought out. Right. I think.
1: Well, I think this is. We 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 talked previously about stories being allegory, and this is more of an allegorical story. We have the setup. We have the Doctor. Uh, is it is it a base under siege? It's kind of the 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 base is already <laughs> base has already been uh, you, overthrown, be taken over. So it's yeah, a recovery yeah. of the base. It's uh, you know the macra are there to symbolize something. What you know? What kind they kind of you know control. Um... Are they trying to symbolize like a? Uh, you know like a soviet or a, a totalitarian state where they yeah are... where you're brainwashed you're right. kind of
0: made to made to be happy when mm-hmm. you're not really happy so and it's, it's like all about new, working and brave new world or something yeah. i mean that's you know i got a strong kind of you you get a strong aldous huxley vibe right you know obviously minus the whole sex thing um <laughs> from it um and again you know you get a 60s rebellion thing you know you get the doctor saying well you've got a you know got to think for yourself i can't remember right. i didn't actually make the note of what he actually says but you know yes you you, you don't let people tell you what to think you've got to right you know, right you got to think for yourself
1: right when when he was re- reviving polly exactly yeah yep. uh, yep. my advice to you is just disbelieve everything disbelieve everything exactly very yep. very 60s very very prisoner actually
0: abolish it, all rational thought exactly he's william burroughs mm-hmm.
1: The one thing I thought about the macro in the control for present-day age is, uh, <laughs> if it was being made today, it's it's kind of like the monks in uh, what is it series ten, where it's all about the fake news and stuff that. Right here, you know, it's uh, you could almost imagine the control c- controller being like a Trumpian type person who's saying fake news, this this yep. doesn't exist. There are and, no macro right
0: disbelieve the evidence of your own eyes it's you know right. it's 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 one of those basically i mean mm-hmm. it's interesting i mean my my first encounter with the macro was through reading those uh you know those program guides um mm. first the kind of terence Dix malcolm hulk one and then the jean-marc l'officier ones right. And you know it's a the colony is always described in those as and this is you know reading them as a kid you know the colony is always described as a holiday camp Which it isn't. (laughs) Which it kind of isn't. It just has like some really super awesome jolly tunes. And also the macro (laughs) always described as giant crabs. Right. And I think it's again it's super interesting that we get all this kind of handed down to us as as fans who didn't experience it at the time by people who watch this essentially as children. Right. And are remembering it as children and are therefore referencing it to things Mm -hmm. that they knew as children. It's yeah. it looks and sounds like a holiday camp, therefore it's a holiday camp. They yeah. look and sound; they have big claws, so they must be crabs. Um, right. and I think it's, right. it's 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 kind of interesting the way the memory the memory cheats in that way to mm-hmm. coin a phrase.
1: And the Target novelization came out rather late. It came out in 1987, So it wasn't. Uh, it was probably after when you were really reading. Oh yeah, I, Target I, I, novels.
0: I mean, I I'm not sure I even own the the, the Target novelization and even if i do own it i'm pretty sure i haven't read it sorry mm-hmm. i'm just i'm just a bad fan um yeah, bad, so yeah actually bad. i i'm actually now kind of interested to get hold of that novelization and and find out what black um how he describes it have you have you read it
1: no i haven't wasn't no. high on my list to read and by the and i had held off listening to the colin baker audio because mm-hmm. it wasn't authentic, I guess authentic enough for me to have right. uh, the sixth doctor recount the tale of the second doctor. So it wasn't until Annika Will's okay. narrated CD of the soundtrack came out poo, about five years ago that I listened to it. So that was the last classic Doctor Who story really? that I had. Yeah.
0: No, I've not. I've not really listened to that. I mean, just but it's on. It's on the DVD, which is great. Um, mm-hmm. Is it is it worthless? Does she does do a good job?
1: Uh, it is my go-to version, actually. Okay. And I really found myself gravitating to the Telesnap reconstruction more than the animation right. uh, during, during it. And for, uh, it wasn't so much that the scene was omitted for, like, the the Polly getting her hair cut, Ben getting a suntan and the doctor getting his hair all neat and stuff in the rough and tumble machine. It was earlier. And then that was just when the, uh, like Jamie stepping out of the TARDIS, he's carrying a stick right out of the TARDIS. And instead of picking it up or then, that they rush, that they Ben rushes Medoc first, rather than Medoc trying to tackle and take the stick away from Jamie.
0: Yeah, I did. I did actually wonder where Jamie had got that stick in the TARDIS. Like the TARDIS isn't known for its sticks. But...
1: Well, he had to have taken it with him from the Highlanders, because. Yes. <laughs> Didn't they just come from moon base? So yeah, he must have not like, a lot of sticks have... on the moon. It's 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 Jamie's special Highland stick exactly,
0: <laughs> that he that he sleeps with to to remind him of the, the forests of Caledonia.
1: Yeah, yeah. So just just stuff like that uh, started to really really kind of make me uh, a little bit suspicious of the. Um, of the story because I, I really have listened a lot to the Annika Wills narration, right? But but I think what really really tripped me up was when they had the sleeping scene where they had all three uh, of the companions in the same room and that scene doesn't work to me when you have Polly, Ben and Jamie all in the same room because the doctor first wakes Polly and then it isn't until after he gets Polly revived in the 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 sleeping uh, brainwashing device and the gas vent disabled that he remembers about Ben and Jamie and then it's too late and i just it doesn't seem to work to me to have uh the boys and the girls in this this colony uh having the same sleeping quarters
0: yeah, I mean, I guess I, I I, didn't kind of... That didn't really register with me because I didn't really know they were supposed to be separate. I mean, I guess I kind of understood that as they were kind of in some kind of deep hypno-sleep thing so they wouldn't kind mm-hmm. of wake up. But yeah, no, it's clear all the way through that the, what they've done is they've cut corners right? in order, I mean, inverted commas, save money, but really save time and effort, right. which is also money, right? in order to make it a more streamlined production in some ways thinking like animators rather than reconstructors
1: which is what they are they are animators they aren't reconstructors yes and that's where you have loose cannon. that's where you have the telesnap reconstruction which i'm very grateful for that that is part of the dvd part of
0: the dvd exactly yeah that
1: you know just but just Everyone's up in arms, or most people are up in arms about the rough and tumble scene, which sets the, the doctor as not going along with the flow, right. not wanting to be all tidied up, not wanting to be part of the colony. But then, just even at the end, where instead of having the time team do the Highland fling out and head back to the TARDIS, you just pan up and you just look at the screen and then go outside of the colony. And narratively i think it's it i think they changed enough narratively that you're not really capturing all the nuance that was in the original
0: yeah yeah and i think it is i mean i think both that scene at the end which is you know it's the kind of like Laughing scene you get at the end of you know right. lots of shows to show everything's back to kind of you know vertigoma's normal again. So what they're going to do with their time on that colony now they don't have to mind gas anymore. I have no idea. <laughs> and also, but I mean, the rough and tumble thing. I mean, again, we know why they cut it because right. there'll be costume changes, there'll be hairstyle changes. The right. doctor has to look smart, and then he, he has to look untidy. Then he has For to look a few smart. Seconds, then yeah, he has to look it? untidy again. It's I said they're thinking like animators on that one. Right. However, it does. It is kind of a hole because it sets up the Doctor's character well, but mm-hmm. it also sets up the character of the colony well as well. Right. You know, it is a place where people, unless you're on the Danger danger Squad, is it Danger right. Squad? What's it called? Anyway, yeah, the yeah. Mi- Danger Mining people, um, right. or your, you know, Mr. Beardy Man who's running, Medlock, whatever he's called. Medock. Medoc. It's a pretty cushy number, basically. Right. It's, yeah, with massages yeah. and shampoos and people Mm -hmm. looking dishy and all that kind of stuff.
1: And just the change at the beginning where they tackle Medoc first rather than Medoc takes a go at Jamie, I think it makes it harder to understand why Medoc even trusts the Doctor because in the way that it's animated, it's it's as if the time team uh, helps Ola... Rather than uh, defending themselves, right? It, it right. was it was Midak who was the instigator, rather than Ben, for example.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean that that went completely over my head because you know I don't know the soundtrack that well or the mm-hmm. reconstruction. But again, you know, I mean, I can see them making decisions to try and you know focus streamline the characters, it. streamline yep. it, you know, set people up in the way that they are going to behave through the rest of the show. I mean, I think it is interesting as I said, you know, to, to, to understand that a distinction should be made between reconstructing and really treating the treating the soundtrack as a the beginning of an animation project. And right. you think like animators, you think streamline, you think economy, mm-hmm. um, and you think brevity. And the reason why you think those is because animation is really, really difficult right. um, and takes a huge amount of time if mm-hmm. you do every kind of last unnecessary detail and you know right. having, uh, having Polly change her hair is kind of an unnecessary detail in some ways right
1: but then for unnecessary detail they do set up the scene at the end of moonbase which we do have visuals for with the with the with the with the claw attacking the controller right and so why why reanimate that if the budget is short uh,
0: well, okay, that's true. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's too much of a mm-hmm. whiplash between, you know, a black and white piece of yeah. film. And then, uh, maybe, uh, yeah, you know, maybe. I, I'd have said, I don't know. Yeah.
1: I mean, there are changes in it that I, I do like. I, I mean, I do like the 16 by 9 ratio. I think it does open it up. It makes it more, there's more space to work with. I like the bigger crabs. I, I like that they decided to go. Okay, these are going to be crabs. We're going to go full crustacean. We're not going yeah. to try to. We're not going to try to model what uh, Shawcraft did with a bug or whatever. with a bug, whatever the uh, hell those things were supposed to right. be. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, so Rob Ritchie, I think, did a really good job with the 3D bits. I, I like the scene that we saw at Gallifrey, where the Doctor, instead of writing on the pipe to figure out the formula of what's going on in the in in the colony uh with the glass screen i think that you know those type of changes were good and it, it does explain i think it's good because it does let them use the animation where everything's looking straight on when you're when you're filming it you're always going to get sides of heads more or back of heads when people are talking and with the animation they seem to really line everyone up uh <laughs> Uh, like a police line, and just animate all their faces there rather than turn and position bodies. And it's a little, it becomes predictable in the posing and scene construction where you line everybody up as a police line.
0: Yeah, I mean, I watched the episode one reconstruction because, you know, I've been reading about the rough and tumble machine and I wanted to see what the difference was. I mean, obviously, you know, the tele snaps, which are obviously taken from the shot show, Mm -hmm. is a lot more dynamic. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, there's way more depth you get, uh, you know, I really was noticing how, you know, the first scenes with the the pilot and his merry pals was kind of, you Mm -hmm. know, very much shot from below, um, which, of course, is something you're not going to get in animation because
1: that's... You have to draw whole new models for that perspective. You
0: have to draw a whole new model, exactly. Um, So it it is more stagey. It is more flat. You know, they do kind of move their arms around like Captain Pugwash um, from time (laughs) to time. Uh, um, but I mean that's that's animation for you know I mean yeah. again and I think you know if you want a reconstruction there is there's a reconstruction this is an animation and it is always going to be different.
1: If you want a reconstruction, really, you hire like what they did with uh, Mission to the Unknown. You you build the sets, you hire the actors, and you film it with different actors, and you're going to get a different portrayal. You're going to get a different Second Doctor portrayal. But you're gonna have all the nuances and subtleties with a good actor that you're not gonna cover in a BBC studio budget for Doctor Who from the 1960s. Right, right, exactly,
0: exactly. So, um, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I mean, are there, are there any more changes that were that were interesting you? Well, the torture scene of
1: Medoc it was, right. he, they have him alone rather than having like a scientist go over him. And uh, I thought that was uh, one less model, one less character that they had to animate. So they just had Medoc kind of in an isolated chamber. And with I can't remember if it was a light treatment on him or something like that. So that, that was different. And then also just the, the death of Medoc was goo rather than seeing the corpse it was also a bit interesting. Right uh, the one bit I thought was again interesting and uh, an oversimplification where the doctor is prying off the speaker from the wall. yeah in the sleeping in, 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 in the actual production, he was tracing a, a wire that was in the in the wall and it was behind the plaster. Right, right, And so, so it's sort of like, well, why does he have to trace or anything if it's obvious that this is where the speaker and the vent is? It was all supposed to be very, very subtle, and you wouldn't oh, notice interesting. it. interesting. Okay. So that, I think, was there just so it's obvious, but I think something was lost there.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe, again, something is hard to animate, um, but easy to film in some kind yeah, of ways, possibly. Yeah, could be. I mean, I, I, I love the fact that he was using an actual screwdriver. I thought, I thought that was kind of funny. Um, he, it's, it's great, brand, Brandishing a screwdriver, which, mm-hmm. of course, you know, give mm-hmm. him a couple of years, it will be. A, it would have been a sonic screwdriver. It would have been rather than yeah. a screwdriver.
1: What did you think of the coloring on Olaf's face? Um, the, the kind of dark. It was kind of yellowy.
0: Yeah, I mean, wasn't that supposed to kind of mark him out as being? <laughs> villainous in some kind of way? I don't know. I, I
1: don't know. It just didn't seem to... F- it seemed weird to me. Yeah, to I mean, the
0: actor... The ac- Who's the actor? He's, he's, some, he's a Czech man.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: it's Gertan Klauber. Gertan Klauber, yeah. I looked him up on, on Wikipedia. Uh, so, I don't know. Yeah, he looked kind of sallow, I would have mm-hmm. said. Sallow okay. is the word that mm-hmm. I would use for his skin coloring, which marks him out as being a villain of some
1: kind. Mm, all right, so I mean, was, he's obviously
0: not as villainous as, as the Macra, um, but he is he is villainous nonetheless.
1: He's more sadistic. He's he's like a, he's the chief of police. They're all they're right, all like yeah, that, right, of course. Right, right. He's
0: from Czechoslovakia. He's some kind of communist.
1: <laughs> so the one th- bit of animation I thought they didn't do quite as well is the the cheerleader at the end when when uh, uh, Jamie's doing the dance edition. Right. If, if you look at the telesnaps, this is an actor, Roger Jerome, okay. and his eyes are just bugging out. He's very zealous. He's kind of a zealot, Right. and they don't capture this kind of insane bit. I think if you would have captured the kind of crazed look in his eyes, you would just sell how more manic right saying these uh, these how brainwashed these colonists are. are yeah
0: right 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 mm-hmm. yeah yeah and again I, even even with me not really knowing the telly snaps that 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 well that scene did seem undersold um animation wise mm-hmm. i mean i did like the fact that he was an american or had a kind of american-style accent that made me yeah that made me laugh <laughs>
1: So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things I liked, what they did with the animation. They did a lot of uh, uh, rotoscoping, or maybe not rotoscoping, but uh, reference live action video that they would use, the animators use for reference for more of the action scenes, like when Meadoc is going through crowds or trying to escape right. um, from Olaf's um, right. police. So I think things were pretty pretty fluid, and they really played up. They really spent time uh, uh trying to make Trouton's facial expressions, eye twitches, raised eyebrows. Yeah, they and really step, uh, really Expand tried the repertoire. Hard on that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, and I guess but you know, the, obviously the thing about Pat Trouton is that, mm-hmm. you know, he just had this extraordinarily expressive face. Right. Um, which he would act with constantly. Um mm-hmm. you know, unlike, you know, I don't know, um Annika Wills, you know, who doesn't have a particularly expressive face other than screaming and wrinkling her nose a lot. But um, uh, yeah, so I mean, I think they again the I thought the Trouton animation was fantastic.
1: It, it was very good, very and they, very good. And they focused on kind of a cheerful, playful Trouton, but then when he got angry, they didn't they didn't have the drawings or the imagery to have him get angry. So the facial expressions that he would get, like when he would get mad were not as intense or as crazed as Troughton would do in a real live performance. Right, right. So if we compare it to Power, just an amazing achievement. It's so much better than Power. But for me, I'm reminded that this is still animation. And this, yeah. is, not, this is not a replacement for the real thing if that should ever, ever appear.
0: Yeah. Well, again, I mean, I think, what I mean, hopefully what they're realizing is, that, you know, they're going to have to, I mean, I don't know whether they're going to, but one might imagine that there might be a plan over the next 10 years to animate them all. I have no idea. Um, I don't know where the money would come from, etc, etc, etc. But, you know, they've got to keep on refining the Troughton because mm-hmm. he's the main character that they're going to be animating, you know, over the next 10 years or so. Right. You know, they're not... There's no, re- there's no re- real reason to come up with an animation of John Pertwee
1: because <laughs> we've got all his. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, it seems like they're building up season four quite a bit. So they're going to have to do Troughton for a few more stories. But then Hartnell has the smugglers in season four that they're going to start. I, I would expect the smugglers to come uh, maybe later once they have rest of the Troughton done for season four. But it looks like they're working on a season four box set.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the plan. Um mm-hmm. I mean I would have said probably now, I don't know, who knows. I'd move on to doing Evil of the Daleks because mm. you know they've got a they've got a Trown, they've got a Jamie, they've got some great Daleks that they right. obviously they made up for power. Mm-hmm. But you know again these animations well, they, oh, expensive and take time. Yeah,
1: what they did for Polly Annika Wills, I think, looked fantastic. As oh, she looked great. Her animated form, so you could finish up the faceless ones too. Ben Ben Cheap. is Ben is a difficult character face to animate because he's he's it's hard to characterize. <laughs> right, I think. But it's probably serviceable, especially for the limited amount that he appears in the Faceless Ones. They could just try to complete with animation the Faceless Ones, too.
0: Yeah, how many episodes of the Faceless Ones do we
1: have? I think there's two. Yeah, two out of six. Episode one and three out of the six-parters exist.
0: Yeah, I know. I mean, I think there's a challenge there. Because, you know, then you you have really got to try and match up the animation with the episode. So there are, you know... match have- up. Have the match up, um, mm-hmm. you know whether you whether you do a color one, you, you probably would do a color one because you know Americans would get cross if things weren't in mm. color. Um, then do you, then do you colorize the kind of black and white ones? I know there's been a lot of talk. Ooh. Certainly, there was talk at Gallifrey about colorizing all uh, mm-hmm. black and white episodes. Mm-hmm. All interesting stuff. All interesting yeah. stuff. Yeah,
1: it'd be interesting to see what they uh, do next. I was thinking potentially that they would do one of the Lost series that were canceled uh, due to the Trial of the Time Lord and have Colin Ooh. Baker and Nicola Bryant do like the Nightmare Fair or wow. uh, Mission to Magnus because wow, uh, the okay. precedent, the precedence has been set with, with Shada and Tom Baker with the Incompleted series and they seem to have a preference now to do a fully animated run of a completely missing story They could work something out with Big Finish to do the soundtrack that's already been recorded, and then animate a a Six Doctor adventure.
0: Well, I mean, those have been they they've been done by Big Finish, so they kind of already have the um, soundtrack. They already have the soundtrack. Mm -hmm. Then, then you get into the interesting. Okay, you're going to start, you know, striking deals with Big Finish and like starting to animate all those.
1: Mm -hmm. That would be kind of interesting. Possibility. The other thing I other thing i think that they might go for since the desert looked pretty good in the animation you could conceive that they might go for something like the myth makers which is entirely missing and that might set up a good precedent for animating action for like the battle scenes that then you would want to tackle more with the highlanders
0: it would be fascinating actually to sit down and try and you know I mean, I don't know much about animation, but one can imagine that, you know, you could do all that kind of, you know, cost-benefit analysis piece. And Okay, if we do this, well, we've got all the assets for that. Right. We can transfer them over to this, but then we'd have to make one of those, but then we could transfer that asset to do that. Mm-hmm. it's it's a, It would be a really, really interesting process, I think.
1: Well, I also wonder how much this is driven by BBC Studios' uh, desire now to get Blu-ray complete seasons out. They could, if they wanted to do a first cut of Troughton, then that would up the Space Pirates as one that they would want to get sooner because they already have animated for the invasion and Space Pirates is missing all but one. So you could say, okay, we're going to eat the cost and animate the episode that does exist just so we have a... Or maybe cut it down or whatever to ha- to have a more smooth animated narrative, so right, it can be right. shown on uh, BBC America and North America. But then now we can release uh, season six on box set too.
0: Yeah, and it, I mean, of course, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of great, cool spaceship scenes mm-hmm. um, in in Space Pirates, which would be, you know, I, I think nothing's easy to animate, but you know, uh, scenes that don't have people in them, um, right? You know, which right. which which are well you would have oh, easier to animate
1: i would imagine you would I have rob ritchie doing that yes yeah. with, with uh 3d cgi for go rob the space yeah. scenes yeah
0: yeah he's he's our friend i'll just mention <laughs> that that we that we made friends with him at gallifrey one and now he's our friend yeah right okay. yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm 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 friends with him on facebook oh well, excellent there yeah so that means I, I am technically
1: his friend now. there you go yeah <laughs> <laughs> I was on
0: a panel with him. He's my friend.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so the, so the animation, I thought, generally going back to the macro, was pretty good. And one thing I really liked, one change that I really, really endorse, is they put Delia Derbyshire on the credits for the theme. Oh, is
0: that? She's not on it usually.
1: She's never been on it, as far oh, as I okay. know. Oh, so wow. they had Ron Goodness. Granger and Delia Derbyshire as co-creators of the theme and i thought well, that was a really good acknowledgement yeah. of all her uh stellar work in basically making the best rendition of the doctor who theme ever yeah it
0: is it is the best rendition there mm-hmm. really all others are are pale imitations um that's good well good i mean I, I, again i think it's interesting you know that the again a reconstruction you know slavishly adheres to Okay what were the original credits okay those are the original credits we're going to do but actually right. i think i think it's really interesting they're finding they're feeling themselves to be freer and freer to kind of interpret especially around these ones where there is so little surviving material
1: Right it's an interesting prospect and I, it definitely definitely opens up macra for a broader audience because I, was this really your first uh pretty much uh, it was my,
0: it's my first proper engagement with macra I mean, apart from the jaunty songs, which I find you know super amusing, um, <laughs> the soundtrack itself has really wasn't kind of grabbing me hugely, right. and you know I might find my I found myself kind of just not wanting to listen to any more of it. Right. But yeah, no, this um, you know, this made me this made me want to watch the whole thing, and I mm-hmm. I very much enjoyed it. Cool. Yeah, a lot of fun.
1: Mm-hmm. Adrian Salmon, I think, gets his first director's credit in episode three as the director of animation, co-director of animation.
0: He's a he's a, an amazing stand-up bloke. Um, I've I've corresponded with him on on numerous occasions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and commissioned uh,
1: art from him too, I believe.
0: Yeah, commissioned art from him, and he's he's just a great just a mm-hmm. great a great person, great artist, great a uh, great writer, great illustrator. Mm -hmm. and all-time fantastic man yeah yeah as is martin Garrity. i mean i bought stuff from martin Garrity as well and he's again super friendly and Mm -hmm. and great to converse with over the emails Mm
1: -hmm. are they contemporary to us or are they slightly older in age
0: um salmon's roughly our age uh martin's a little bit younger okay yeah Uh, yeah uh, yeah no it's i i I mean more power to them i mean i think you know this is This is really kind of, I mean, I hope, you know, they've kind of assembled a kind of a team here who can start to really kind of bite into these. And I just hope, again, Mm -hmm. the realisation that making them in colour helps sell it to America. That really releases money. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you know, the Blu-rays, I think, are selling pretty well. That releases potential resources. Um, I think there could have been slightly more money spent on this. It's very always upsetting to read... You know, people like Garrity or Salmon, you know, on social media say, "Well, we we're doing it." This, or actually, Rob Ritchie saying, "I was pulling twenty four hour sessions, trying to get this stuff together in time." Right. You know, you need to give these guys more time.
1: Mm-hmm. I think they had seven months to work on it, and that's more than power. But yeah,
0: more realistic deadlines on these, mm-hmm. really. You know, and that's and I, you know, I, I because I'm in roughly, no, I'm in a. An analogous kind of business, you know you never have enough time, so you've right. always got to budget for more time than you think mm-hmm. if you think it's going to take seven months, it's going to take nine months so give them nine months
1: right yeah I think you need to acknowledge that you 're going to make another one and then start in on on another one because. I think it's the well, maybe this one won't sell and this will be the last animation. And that's always been the case where, you know, with uh, like with the invasion, well, we don't know if it's going to sell. Right, it's a one off. Right. We don't think we're going to animate anymore. Right, Cosgrove right. Hall goes out of business. Right. And then you have to find a new animation studio to do the next one. And I think if there is uh, a BBC Worldwide, whoever's in charge looks in the mirror, looks him or herself in the mirror and says, yeah. We're really just going to animate them all. This is the schedule we're going to do, and we're going to allow a year animation on each one of them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think I think they they must now have really kind of establish that this is something that's doable. It's something that people want. Um, mm-hmm. And what they really have now have to do now is to work out how the how are they going to do it over a number of years. How many years is it going to take them? Mm-hmm. You know, how many how many how many months does it take to do each? How do we do it in a way where we are being most efficient in terms of, you know, asset creation and reuse? Mm -hmm. I would hope that that is what, you know, the kind of higher ups, the kind of producer level worldwide and, you know, their partners are sitting down and doing right now.
1: Right, right. Which I have no idea, obviously, but, you know,
0: that's what I hope they're doing.
1: Yeah, which does uh, make it indicative that they are going to either do Evil or Highlanders next because... Uh, well, probably Highlanders would make the most sense because you have a Ben model, a Polly model, and a Jamie model. Uh, your Trouton toolkit is coming together. It's a larger production where you have more characters, but with uh, the Toon Boom software that the uh, Sun and Moon used, it does bring the animation, I think, to a little, little more commercially viable uh, level and less, less cartoony, more, more what we're hoping for in animation.
0: Yeah, though I mean, I again I, on social media I have read um, uh, comments saying, "Well, Highlanders is going to be really difficult because of all the tartan."
1: Well, they simplified Jamie's tartan in by not in,
0: by not really doing it. Yeah, right. It's just yeah.
1: uh, it's just kind of a hatch. So
0: yeah, but there's a lot more of it in Highlanders. Certainly, judging by some of the anyway, because you know it's set in Scotland, so they're mm-hmm. going to have to do anyway. So who who knows? Who knows? It's doable, though, right? It's, I'm, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, surely. I mean, again, if they really start thinking, okay, let's let's start thinking like animators on this. Okay, well, you know, rather than reconstructors, I think this is what's interesting. How would you do Tartan? Right. Well, you could imagine, you know, um, that instead of trying to animate, you know, Tartan that moves, you just do kind of a flat Tartan. Um, and you don't, you know, and I, I think we've all or seen you that. you f- film
1: them from the waist up.
0: Or film from, only from the waist up, <laughs> <laughs> or just like set the Highlanders in space, basically. <laughs> like just instead of it's the Highland of Scotland, just put it on an alien planet. Everyone's wearing spacesuits.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah. when we had wow. originally pitched our animation of Macro Terror to be in uh, Yellow submarine style, do you remember that? Do you do did you, well, did you we have talk, any?
0: Did, did we talk about that? God, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we
1: had we had pitched that doing macro terror, uh, doing totally 2D, but in a yellow submarine manner would have been the way to go about it. What, what do you think? What do you think of our idea? Yeah, <laughs> after I'd, seeing I'd, that? I'd,
0: I'd, I'd forgotten that we'd had that idea. Um, okay. I'm, re- I'm really impressed that we had that idea because I think that's an excellent idea, <laughs> and that's how they should have done it. In fact, I should tweet rob richie right now um, and tell him <laughs> you missed a trick there mate you should have done it like yellow you like you like yellow submarine yeah i'm
1: sure i'm sure uh he'll appreciate
0: that <laughs> i'm sure to pre- i'm sure he'd appreciate a someone he barely even knows making mm-hmm. a slightly snarky comment yeah like that. yeah
1: well uh garrity's been on uh gallifrey Bass talking about the production and the the word that he's been hauled over the coals for was he said uh the rough and tumble scene was frippery and he explained it was in dwm and he explained that uh, he didn't expect to be asked this question he was caught off guard at the end of a long day so
0: right right
1: having the artist do publicity may not be the best best (laughs) best way to do do this on the cheap i guess
0: yeah, yeah. Well, they need to be. Yeah, exactly. Because they mm-hmm. need to get they need to get us fans on their side. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah.
1: I think enough people are appreciative of it, and I'm certainly am appreciative that they have a Blu-ray and DVD release because we get to talk about Macra. I'm not sure we would have talked about Macra anytime soon without a uh, release on the shiny disc.
0: Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. No, I mean but Macra would have slowly. The, 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 there would have been no such thing as Macra, you know, <laughs> by in 50 years time. No one would even remember that Macra ever existed. And now mm-hmm. they will re- always remain as the lovable crab monsters of, mm-hmm. of, of of this animation.
1: So for a reconstruction, reanimation, a combination DVD, Blu-ray release, I think they did an excellent job yep. with bringing what material is available and presenting it in a way that almost all fans will like because they have, if you want to just listen to pure soundtrack, they have a soundtrack that way. If you want to listen to the soundtrack with Colin Baker's narration, they have that, they have that there. If you want to watch a reconstruction with Annika Wills narrating, they, they have, have that. that. You want to watch it in black and white? You have they that. have that. And they also have it in color. So, so really there's nothing for anyone to complain about, to be honest. You know, if you want to be as pure as possible, watch the Telesnap reconstruction and uh, listen to uh, the lovely Annika Wills narrate. That would be my recommendation if you want a little kickback and just enjoy the story. Watch it in color and widescreen. It's really, really, an, really good way of capturing the Macra terror. Or if you just want to listen
0: to the soundtrack, just watch it with your eyes closed. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and just imagine, imagine that there's no images at all.
1: There's uh, no images of Macra <laughs> at all. Yeah. Macra
0: do not exist. There is no mm-hmm. such thing as Macra.
1: Yeah, that was a good explosion at the end. Come to think of it, that was a good explosion. Yeah, again, another it's, another it's... addition. It was a good yeah, addition.
0: Yeah, just explode the macro. Don't 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 bother to find out what they're what what they're all about. <laughs> don't try and make friends with them. Don't don't weep. Don't like them de- on Facebook. That you're destroying destroying a you know a sentient race of some kind. Just blow them up. Kill them all. Kill them all. It's the 60- Kill them 19- with fire. 1960s way exactly. Yes, yep. search and destroy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. anyway yeah so it's it, it it was it's a nice example of you know how i don't know doctor who used to be kind of thing it's a they're the enemy get rid of them god's yep. sake <laughs> they're bad they're obviously bad they're giant crabs good lord yeah anyway set them on fire
1: my hope is when they get the blu-ray that they go back and revisit power with this uh, animation toolkit for Ben. Yeah. And let's see. Let's for Troughton and Polly.
0: Yeah. Who knows? I mean, who knows how easy that is to do? But yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, they had Polly move in a much more because Annika Wills, when she walks, as Polly walks in uh, a single file, one foot in front of the other, rather than you know foot side by side. She places right, right, one right. so how a young woman would walk in the '60s. Right. And so they missed that in the animation in Power. So. Annika Wills moved just like all the blokes, so here right. they had her body movement and the other women moving in a more 1960s walking style, and I thought that again sold it better. So that's an another little thing I think they did differently that made it a more convincing bit of animation.
0: Yeah, absolutely,
1: yeah, no, that's true.
0: Good, yep. great, Macra There you go. <laughs>
1: they exist now and shiny. They do Disc. exist.
0: They do exist. Um, next week, um, greatest show right.
1: Yeah, back to the greatest show in the galaxy. The greatest show in the galaxy, because this is,
0: after all, the greatest—literally, the greatest show in the galaxy. It is so indeed. How appropriate it, it must it be to have any episode call that so that's next week um i hope you enjoyed us talking about macro and um, we do recommend you go out and buy this dvd yes um, indeed even for well actually for the reason that you so eloquently described david is basically whatever kind of mingmong you are and we're all we're all mingmongs of some kind <laughs> it's got the level of mingmongery that you need as right. whatever level of right. mingmong you are
1: yep it yep. should it should please virtually any fan i would hope
0: Yes, Uh, the only people who won't please are the kind of fans who aren't pleased by anything and we all know those exist and, you know, there's, there's literally no pleasing them because they can't be pleased.
1: Right. Well, thank you for listening to episode 112 of the Midibeeless Two podcast. I have been talking about macra with Ben,
0: and I have been talking about macra <laughs> with uh, with David. Yes. Yeah.
1: Macra. Macra, macra. exist. Ah, macra. <laughs>
0: Goodbye, everybody. Don't dream of macra.
1: So hello everybody, we are still here. What was supposed to be our podcast talking about the greatest show in the galaxy got derailed early on by my asking Ben some questions about what's going on with Brexit. So rather than have that be our episode on the greatest show of the galaxy, we thought we'd just put it on here at the end of our Macro Terror podcast and if you want to listen to Ben and I discuss Brexit and what impact that might have on doctor who give a listen if not uh, now's a good time to tune out and now on to what would have been our discussion about greatest show of the galaxy but that will happen next week so uh, listen to ben and i chat for another 45 minutes or so about brexit Ben, uh, we were supposed to talk about Greatest Show in the Galaxy tonight, but I'm wondering what the hell is going on in your country? What the
0: hell is going on (laughs) in my country, my native country? Uh, I hear hear you ask.
1: What does Brexit mean to Doctor Who? What does Brexit mean to Doctor Who?
0: Well, um, I could very easily discourse for a good long time about Brexit, um, because of course, you know... um, uh, it's it's uh, um well okay okay cards cards on the table time um um i voted to stay in the e- e- european economic community the european union mm-hmm. um i'm very anti brexit i think it is a ridiculous idea that was foisted on us by a unholy alliance of russian bots and upper class idiots <laughs> um who've been able to to mobilize a bunch of working class idiots Uh, anyway it's yeah the whole thing is a nightmare and the country's kind of barreling down towards its own destruction basically
1: yeah it seems like a suicide pact at this point
0: yeah we are we've literally we've almost almost literally i don't use the word literally lightly um, we've almost literally um, shot ourselves in the head on this one, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, so, how,
1: how did this? You said it's an unholy alliance, but it also seems to be an unholy alliance between the Tories and Labour.
0: Well, no. no well, I, I, I'm impressed that you're that you're following Brexit so closely. <laughs> um, well, no. Well, so, so okay, okay. Here we go. So basically, I mean, for the past three years since she triggered. Article 50, which is the kind of countdown to Brexit. So basically, we all voted for Brexit. We all voted in the referendum. Everyone but Scotland. (laughs) And 48% of people said, let's stay in the EU. It's a good idea. And 52% of people said, um, let's leave the EU. Um, That's a good idea. Um, A couple of things I think about that, one of which is if you have a really important vote like that, Mm -hmm. um, probably make it a two-thirds majority rather than just have like a simple... A simple 50%. Right. Um, that would have been a good idea, David Cameron. Anyway, so we had a referendum. And of course, in the British, uh, again, for our American listeners, um Britain doesn't have a constitution, unlike America. Um, so there are no rules, basically. Mm-hmm. There are absolutely no rules at all on how Britain is governed, other than the fact that a, well, other than kind of laws and precedent and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. A referendum is purely advisory. There's right. no basis in law. Um, you don't have to follow it. Mm-hmm. But it has become this kind of fetish, basically. Anyway, so we voted, um, and everyone decided that, yes, we have to abide by what 52% of people said rather than 48% of people. But we could have spent a long time thinking about it and right. kind of working it out.
1: Be- but Before Article 50 was... Before Devolved. triggering
0: <laughs> Article 50. But, of course, Theresa May being Britain's second worst prime minister ever. First worst <laughs> prime minister being David Cameron. Um, so, no, we'll just trigger it right now. And that'll give us three years or two years, whatever it was, three years. Um, and it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course... She's, the she's countdown getting,
1: would force the issue.
0: Uh, the countdown would force the issue. And she felt that three years would be long enough. However, what has happened is over the past three years... Britain has the Conservative Party has been basically negotiating with itself right. in order to get agreement that it agrees with, mm-hmm. um, which it hasn't even been able to achieve that, um, and has completely locked the Labour Party, the i.e. The, the, Her Majesty's loyal opposition, um, out of the discussion. And what Theresa May has finally realised that actually she doesn't have the votes within her own party, especially since she called called a completely unnecessary election in 2017, which basically lost her majority. And she's only in power because of a group of people called the Democratic Unionist Party, who are a Northern Irish party, who mm-hmm. are, uh, I don't know, they're equivalent, they're the equivalent of like more, um, they're like Southern Baptists, only they're more stupid, more doctrinaire um <laughs> And basically, they they feel themselves to be more British than British people. Um, And of course, they are British because they're part of Britain. They're they're citizens of Northern Ireland. Um, Anyway, so she's kept in power by those people. So she doesn't actually have the votes Mm -hmm. within her own power block to get this deal of hers through Parliament. So that's a very long preamble. She finally has decided she's going to reach out to reach across the aisle. Um, to the Labour Party, to a man that she both hates and despises, Jeremy Corbyn, to see whether they can have a softer Brexit, mm-hmm. um, to get Labour Labour votes on side, to get it through the House of Commons before the, uh, well, essentially before the 12th of April, um, which is when we crash out of the european union without a deal of course she's got to do it before then because she's got to go to the eu by the 10th of april and say that she's got something substantially different which will then the eu will then grant us a an extension Mm -hmm. um to debate and decide that's something that is substantially different now of course at this point what's so ridiculous is that um the whole referendum was about taking back control. Right now we are completely in the hands of the EU. They can either grant us an extension or they can say, you know, screw you, you're a bunch of crazy idiots. Right. Um you can crash out on the twelfth. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um so, but, a bit but, of a doesn't,
1: but doesn't wasn't May a, a remainer at, originally?
0: Uh, she was, but I think, I mean, psychologically, uh, you have to, she's a very particular kind of person, um, a very unimaginative, um, very doctrinaire, really kind of a, a, really not the kind of person you'd want to be prime minister. I mean, they appointed a prime minister because they thought she'd be a safe pair of hands, mm-hmm. basically someone who is controllable and malleable and would basically guide this process to its conclusion. Um, what they didn't realize is that she's the the world's worst negotiator for a start. Um, and she has this, I mean, there's a good example that someone gave online, actually. You know, if you are a particular kind of person um, and you are at a soccer match where your child's team and it's a children's soccer match, your child's team is playing another child, another another team of children. And you find yourself suddenly to be the referee of that soccer match. Hmm. Um, a particular kind of person will automatically be more harsh to your own team in order to prove that you are even handed If you see what I mean that probably that kind of psychological effect probably has a name, but it's you know in order to prove that you 're not um, uh, biased in any kind of way you are you are crueler and more uh, strict on uh, towards the side to which you yourself belong, um, and that's so. When you say, "Well, wasn't Theresa May a Remainer?" Yes, she was. But one of the things that she's doing, she is be she is tacked more towards Leave in order to prove to everybody that she is being fair. Hmm. Part of the point, of course, of this is is that her main kind of psychological and the main point of her is she is doesn't want to go down in history as the prime minister who or the leader of the Conservative Party. She's not really a prime minister, she's leader of the Conservative Party who broke up the Conservative Party. Um so, <laughs> so she the, cares
1: more about her party than yes, the she, country. Ab- that reminds me of a certain absolutely. political party in the States here. <laughs> Who
0: again compare care more about the, the power of their own party and the integrity of their own party than they do about the benefit the benefit of the country? Yeah. And I think you know we can go on and on about how that there is a congruency between uh, the whole Trump thing and the Brexit thing. It's basically the same thing because uh, it's basically run by mm-hmm. the Russians.
1: What, what about Corbyn too? But he he Jeremy Corbyn isn't he a lever too?
0: Yeah, he's also I mean, this is, this is so. What... I
1: mean, that's where you get the problem. You don't. There is no opposition for Remain.
0: There is there is no there is no opposition to rent because of course Jeremy Corbyn is an old style socialist Marxist, um who likes you know free, a free trade group, uh, such as the European Union and you know a state, um uh, he dislikes that as much as a as much as a kind of a right wing um uh, right wing kind of Trumpian uh you know little Englander basically right. um it's the you know he doesn't like big business he doesn't like free trade. Um, you know, he's an old school socialist. And again, you know, you get these kind of two, two halves of the triangle, you know, coming round and meeting on the other side. So there you go. Is, is, yeah.
1: Was there any, I mean, the liberal Democrats, did they, they, they were remain weren't, weren't they? but they lost seats in the last parliamentary election.
0: Yeah, I mean the Liberal Democrats are basically a spent, a spent force. Um, I think in some ways because of the pact that they entered into with uh, with uh, with David Cameron, um, uh, and that 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 kind of wiped them out. Basically, mm-hmm. I mean no one can really trust them again because mm-hmm. I, I think now people well, if I vote Liberal Democrat, then all, all that will happen is the Tories will get back in again.
1: Right. So, so you, you effectively know. have a two party system. In England. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, Scotland it, has the Scottish National Party. Well,
0: Scottish, the, 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 the Scottish National of course, Scotland, you know, almost to a man and woman, voted to remain. Right. Um, so, I mean, again, I think one of the knock on effects of, of this whole process is that I think there will be a, there'll be another vote in Scotland to declare independence. And I think it'll pass. And uh, you, what you'll see is the breakup of the union. Um, Because, of course, as everyone knows, um, Great Britain, why it's called Great Britain, because it's Greater Britain. It's made up of three countries and a province. Right. um, And the three countries are Scotland, England, and Wales, and the province is Northern Ireland.
1: Right. So it could lead to disillusionment, I guess.
0: (laughs) It could lead to the country breaking up. Yeah. And of course, Scotland's been part of Britain since you know, the early 18th century. King James. Uh, (laughs) King James, exactly. (laughs) Wales has been part of Britain since, you know, the early 13th century. But Wales Um,
1: voted to leave too, though, so...
0: Yes, they did, but um, I I think when they discover exactly how much money came to them from the EU in terms of of subsidies, uh, I don't know, they might change their minds. Again, you know, if we start... As as I think the Brexiters fervently believe, negotiate these you know these free trade agreements with, I don't know, let's just the U S. <laughs> the U S. for instance, and you think about Welsh agriculture, which is which is you know predominantly based around small farms, mm-hmm. and if you then think, okay, we have a free tra- free trade agreement with uh, you know for for food um, with the United States, that's Welsh agriculture destroyed for a start, because mm-hmm. there's no way that they could compete against the factory farms of the
1: United States. So we in this situation we had series 11 and series 10 right and article 50 had been under effect or evoked in both of those series why why do you think in doctor who unlike in the 70s when the EU was or when Britain was thinking of joining the common market um, in Europe we had the peladon stories why do you think the showrunners didn't touch upon leaving the common market or leaving or having a Peladon story or something.
0: Well, I think because it's so toxic, basically. Um, And also, I mean, I think you get the Nick. Um, Oh, is it Nick? No, who's the who's the guy who was sacked from Doctor Who magazine for writing naughty words? It was Nick something. Anyway, I mean, the one of the reasons why Doctor Who magazine had that huge editorial shake up is that Uh, The BBC, BBC Worldwide, um, you know, the kind of publishers felt that the magazine was not being even handed enough and wasn't being and was and was being too partisan in terms of being uh, anti-Brexit and anti-Trump, basically. Hmm. Um, And the BBC is supposed to be even handed and non-partisan and show both sides of every uh, of every argument. And they couldn't really do a Brexit Story because I don't know how you do it without really saying that Brexit is a stupid idea, which it is.
1: Well, isn't that just ridiculous? I mean, that's sort of like that's how all the white supremacists and the neo Nazis get on the air because you have to because show you always, you both have to sides.
0: Show the, of, the other show I have to show the other point of view. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It doesn't. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't yeah.
1: seem to be uh, can do. And there's no. Now, wh- why is that? Is this is this is this like the BBC being bludgeoned by the conservatives thinking that they're desperate to hang on to whatever state funding that they can get? And so they. Yeah, have to... I mean,
0: I think I mean, well, I think there's I mean, there's this, you know, there's this even even handedness, you know, which I think is also the case, um, uh, you know, in the United States and certainly with print media. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I don't really follow. I don't really listen to any. American news, apart from NPR, and that always really kind of, or, you know, a, a National Public Radio, um which always really gets me very irritated because again, they always have to be kind of rigorously even-handed. Got well, laws. they're
1: very they're very corporate. If there's anything, they're cozying up to their corporate sponsors, yeah, which yeah. are generally going to be larger and more lean conservative Republican exactly. institutions.
0: Yeah, and I think I think for the BBC, I mean, I think you know, there's elements of the BBC that is. Um, Uh, You know, running scared about having their basically being privatized, you know, being 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 pulled apart uh, by conservative government. So it's kind of, you know, it's in their interest to suck up to the conservatives. I mean, for many, many, many years, you know, the BBC was known by right wing types as being, you know, ridiculously uh, left wing partisan towards the left. Um, and I think you I think if you know, if you there's a, was a recent interview on the Today programme, which is the kind of the main morning show for Radio 4 with uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg, um, who's one of the king, kings of the old Etonian Brexiteers. Um, and they, they were pointed, pointing out that he'd been retreating, retweeting videos from this german fascist party and he got really kind of upset and knocked off and said you know That's typical bbc lefty nonsense um in my mind really you know if, if the if the if the kind of you know right wing think the the bbc is too left wing and the right and the left wing think the bbc is too right wing they're probably doing an okay job mm. um i think where they do fall down is this kind of impartiality piece and i think the most famous example of that is that um Uh, They were uh, for the last few years. I think they've stopped doing this now because I think they've realized how ridiculous it is. whenever they've had uh, a politician called Nigel Lawson on regularly. Nigel Lawson famously being the father of the cook Nigella Lawson. Um, who is a major climate change denier, and hmm. he's always be he's you know he's basically trot him on. And he says like it's rubbish, you know it's a plot by scientists to <laughs> right whatever whatever the plot yeah, is right. in order to, in order that the opposite point of view be put. And again, I think what they finally realize is, you know, that the climate change is happening. There is no opposite point of view. Right. It's like, say, well, the, what is the opposite point of view to the sun coming up in the morning? Mm-hmm. Well, there is no opposite point of view. You know, it's like there is no opposite point of view to the truth. So right. anyway. Yeah. That's
1: that's the problem is they look for false equivalencies. Uh, right. So so w- what about, and so in the Peloton stories, you know, this is yeah. kind of my education for right. uh, just attitudes. The, the king and the queen. Had a role to play. Now, d- you have no constitution in the UK, but it's a constitution its called, isn't it, a constitutional monarchy? Constitutional monarchy. So, so d- does the, the Queen the, have a role to play here?
0: Uh, well, I mean, if I was the Queen, I'd stay the hell out of it. To be honest, and that's what um, she's been doing. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a constitutional monarchy. So, the uh, my constitutional theory is. Uh, considerably rusty at this point mm-hmm. um the queen the monarch is the guarantor of the constitution right. so basically they are the arbiter of how things are arranged i mean i'll say actually one one outcome of this and i, I won't happen quickly but i just susp- i would have thought it i don't know it seems like it's a logical thing to do is is that Britain all really really needs a constitution um if you just look at the kind of mess that's been going on in parliament over yeah. the past Month or so, it's clear that we need to have some, yeah, you know, codif- codification I, mm-hmm. of how all this is supposed to yeah, work. Yeah,
1: well, if you look at the U.S., a constitution is not, a, it's not a solution to every problem. It's not a solution,
0: but at least it sets out a framework where you can begin to solve problems. I mean, you know, this, uh, the, you know, John Burko, the speaker, you know, suddenly dredging up this rule from 1705. Right. I'm um, sorry, 1605. Big error. 1605. Um, which was actually it's, it helped it helped the, the the Remain cause in some way, and that it kind of prevented uh, May bringing her deal back to the Commons for like a, a for a third time. Right. But you know, I mean, to have that kind of organisation, I mean, you know, to have a a rule that people suddenly remember um, from you know before the Mayflower sailed. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just, the
1: Mornington Crescent. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's totally Mornington Crescent. Yeah, exactly,
0: Mornington Crescent. So yeah, I so I I wouldn't be surprised if there's a if if if, uh, if, the, if the there is a constitution, so if or there a, is if, some kind of pressure towards writing a constitution for the
1: country. Yeah, if there's a constitution, do you think the Republicans will win and there will be no more sovereign?
0: Well, I mean, this is the other thing I think that that one is one is worried about. You know, the Queen has been the Queen since you know 1952 right. or so. She's you know pretty much the longest reigning monarch in British history Um, she's very you know uh, I think loved is probably the wrong word but she's certainly you know she's certainly respected and highly regarded even by people who don't like the
1: monarchy. She's the rock rock of British society. Yeah
0: but you know if one just compares what Britain was like in 1952 to compare to what it's like in 2019 it's completely different. So when she dies and ultimately you know I think in the next decade uh, she's going to die um I think that's also going to be very, very difficult mm-hmm. um, because I don't, I think Prince Charles, uh, he would then be, well, he may, he may, he he may take a different name. Um, so it wouldn't necessarily be Charles III, but, you know, Prince Charles would be, uh, I think, a very different kind of king, a uh, very different kind of monarch who I think certainly wouldn't command the same amount of respect as the queen does. Mm-hmm. So we will have to see about that. But yes, um, with 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 Peladon, you know, it was a monarchy. Um, uh, Monster of no, hang on, of Peladon is the first Peladon yeah. story, right? Yeah, um, that's the one about going into or coming out of the EEC. Um, and um, you know, I mean, it's, it's it's a relatively gentle allegory. You know, there's nothing kind of um, uh, too controversial about it because actually, at that point. Going into the EC was not particularly controversial. Hmm. Um, I mean, we we voted on it, and there was a referendum. I th- think it was a referendum, and everyone said yes, let's do it. Right. Um, we'd wanted to join the EC for a while. And we'd wanted to join in the sixties, but Charles de Gaulle, oh. uh, the president of France, who was a noted Anglophobe, mm-hmm. said no, famously. Um, so we couldn't. Right. Um, and actually, was a, there's a nice little thing that I saw the other day where you know Britain entered the um, uh entered the E C and we were we were known as the sick man of Europe, basically. We were kind of the, the, the Europe's crappiest economy. Right. Um, well, you know, apart from what, what was going to get at that point, the Eastern Bloc. Anyway, so we were known as the sick man of Europe. So we entered the EC as the sick man of Europe, and we're leaving it as the village idiot <laughs> of Europe. Um, Not high So, but praise. It, so it, was, it, it was a relatively uncontroversial decision, because it's something we really, really wanted. Because after the, you know, after the oil crisis, um, uh, you know, the economy was tanking basically, and it was seen. Okay, this is a way to kind of actually stabilize markets a little bit. Um, again, you know, my economics is pretty much non-existent. Well, this I'm not, I'm was sure well, we this was when you were a disagree, kid but... too. When this was happening, yeah, yeah. But you know, I mean, there were. Uh, uh, there's a very interesting uh, series that you can watch on YouTube called The Mayfair Set, um, which is all about Britain in the seventies and you know the various kind of conspiracies that were going on there was the conspiracy for a military coup in britain in the mid 70s um
1: is that the very secret or not so secret army or yes <laughs> <laughs> <bit?
0: laughs> no no there was it was uh, uh, david sterling who was the 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 uh, army man who um, started the sas in the in World War Two, was apparently part of a plot to overthrow the government, install install a military dictatorship. Yes. Um, it was kind of it was kind of that bad in Britain at that point, um, but I mean, yeah, we, we we were we were in a bad way. So I mean, joining the EC was not was not was pretty uncontroversial. But as as evidenced by people plotting to overthrow the government, install a military dictatorship, there were crazy people who thought that we were giving away our sovereignty. Um, and those people have just kind of grown and kind of metastasized into this kind of, especially this kind of sort of cancer on the Conservative Party, where people are just obsessed with the EC being some kind of socialist super state that's about subsuming, nat- subsuming national sovereignty, which, of course, is ironic, because that's exactly why um, uh, Jeremy Corbyn hates it as well, because it's not, it's not a socialist super state. It's kind of it's a free trade you know capitalist paradise that's why he hates it so right anyway so So, yeah so i mean so again i mean i think uh it would be really interesting to have a return to peladon mm -hmm. um uh you know with jody and the gang you know landing on peladon and discovering that peladon has voted to um to leave <laughs> <laughs> to leave the galactic federation um it would that they they would have to do that show after all this is over right because um, it, it really couldn't happen during it because you know it's just such a um
1: too political
0: you know tempers are running really really strongly at the moment mm-hmm. in the, in the country yeah so anyway
1: <sighs> so, so there you go yeah so uh, so i yeah. guess the closest thing that we have of, as a, a predictor of post brexit who would be uh, like what we had in resolution with the unit being disbanded over a funding dispute.
0: That is probably the nearest, the nearest piece of the nearest we can get to in terms of satire. Um, that you know things that were, um, important and useful are being gotten rid of for no readily apparent reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's probably your, that's your, that's your satire. Um, about about Brexit. Yeah. Unit being disbanded for the New Year's mm-hmm. for the New Year's Day extravaganza. Right.
1: They did introduce Peladon, or Mark Gatiss reintroduced Peladon with the Alpha Centauri in the end of Empress of Mars. So you yeah. could you could see how they could it, well, you could see how it'd be tied in because that that the whole Galactic Federation has been reintroduced to uh, modern Who viewers.
0: Yeah, I, I I can't speak for you, but I suspect you agree with me. I love those Pelagians those Paladin stories. They're mm-hmm. really great. They're fun. Uh oh, they're they're super fun and they have you know they've got great some um, some great acting. Um the creature I mean you know creature design uh you know it was it's just awesome awesome monsters. I am just the hugest as you know the hugest Alpha Centauri fan. Um uh, they are I'm using they that I think they is their preferred pronoun. <laughs> um they are pretty much one of my top five doctor who monsters alpha centauri alpha centauri yeah yeah. and the ice warriors are great in it and you know it's um you know they start out first first Peladon story they're good second one they're evil right um return to form (laughs) yeah kind kind of nice nuance there um of course it's arcturus spoiler alert who's the the evil one in the first one but um yeah, I mean I, you you see you seem quite well um versed on on things Brexit Brexit based. Have you been following Well, the it's the other side saga? of
1: It's the other side of the coin to Trumpism in the US. Right. It's it's all orchestrated by the Mercer Bannon, you know, Russian troll farm factory type bit to whip up support and uh I think just recently with uh the Leave backers were uh, noted by whatever uh, organization in the uk for having broken the law to oh yeah they they did and yeah. which which you would think would have been big news but it's hardly uh, hardly a blip in this era
0: I, I there's just too much news i think as we all know there's just too much news at the moment we really can't k- keep up with it i mean here's a question for to, to you um where, 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 where where's your preferred where, where do you get your brexit news from where, where, what's your go-to news outlet for all things brexit
1: I don't have a good one because everything seems uh, hyper partisan. <laughs> and right. I used to, honestly, I used to trust The Guardian, but I don't trust it quite as much because I think they have their own agenda, agenda that doesn't necessarily mesh with mine and if i was uh, if i was a british national or a uk voter i would have definitely voted remain cuz you just look yeah. at you just look at the area of travel that you can under a eu passport compared to what you'd be left with under a uk passport it's just it's it's ridiculous
0: <laughs> yeah it makes it makes it make it literally makes no sense mm-hmm. uh, and i think the only way that it does make sense if you really understand that you know people who weren't really paying attention, were lied to, and that you had a, a kind of a supine, if that's the right word, political class who didn't ever believe the 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 the, the, the Brexiters never believed that they would win, mm-hmm. and the Remainers never believed that they would lose. Right. And if you just look at Boris Johnson's face um versus david cameron's face on kind of you know, brexit night right and um, both of them look utterly dumbfounded right uh, because that the that was not the result that they expected boris johnson was get, basically thought that he would lose but he would lose by such a slim margin that that would then position him exactly in the right place to displace David Cameron as Prime Minister, and for Johnson to become Prime Minister, and that right. so you know and, and Cameron called the referendum in order he thought to kind of finally lance the boil or the cancer whatever we want to call it of the 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 dispute in within the Conservative mm. Party about should we be part of Europe or shouldn 't we be part of europe um, and both of them you know i was as I will tell anyone who asked me, I was at university with both of them. And um, I didn't know them well, but I knew them a little bit, or at least I knew of them. um, And it really doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, they are they, you know, they're both egomaniacs. They're both incredibly wealthy, um, privately educated um, layabouts, basically, Mm -hmm. just thought that basically everything's a game to them. Right. Um, And this was just another form of an internal conservative party game that was about trying to position themselves into places of power
1: what i read earlier in the year and i think sometime in january that the majority of brexit backers have have they've aged out demographically they, enough enough leave backers have died since the <laughs> the the last referendum that if the same people voted they leave would leave would lose yeah and i think so i, I I've one is this why they don't want a second uh, i guess what they're calling it a people's vote or a uh, confirmation of once the deal is made if the people want this deal or not
0: well i mean i think i think the brexiteers don't want a second referendum well, right. because they know they're gonna because i mean they know they know they're gonna lose it mm-hmm. so i mean that's the reason and the you know the, re- the reason why the remainers want one because they know they're going to win it
1: right so teresa ter- may could go all gilda Radner on snl and just go never mind right she can revoke article 50 and say we're staying. Yeah, it'd be it'd be career suicide for her, but she doesn't have a career anymore. She's no she's dead politically.
0: No, that's 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 true. And I think I think this is one thing that frustrates me is that anyone who had any regard for the economic security and prosperity of the United Kingdom would basically say, "Okay, this was a ghastly mistake. You know, you were lied to by Etonian idiots. You were manipulated by Russian bots." Uh, the whole thing is being called off and we're staying in the EU. Right. Um, because, again, as I said, a referendum is not legally binding. It is only advisory. Um, it only became, I think, legally binding when they passed a law to make it binding. I think you'd have to un i think you'd have to in some way you know disregard or kind of you know void the law that was passed <laughs> find a find it,
1: a rule from 1600 yeah <laughs> find a
0: get get burko to kind of read that big book that he's got of like old rules <laughs> and just say you know it's a stupid idea we're not doing it right um i think you would probably get a lot of kind of tommy robinson's t- types on the streets kind of rioting and stuff but you know well they the, uh, the, the other thing i've read they up, have
1: ten thousand or more uh police on standby for for for, for no deal, yeah yeah, for,
0: yeah because i mean again it's it's i mean obviously if there was a no deal it would probably settle down eventually but you'd be up for probably six months of just severe economic disruption you'd then be on for a couple of years of recession yeah. maybe even a depression and yeah i think it would be very unpleasant
1: wouldn't it set the troubles in action again went when we start when there start being problems with northern ireland and the, well this is yeah
0: ireland? this it, 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 exactly so so i mean this is why the dup won't vote for may's deal because of this whole backstop thing which is the the attempt by which is actually something that i think may requested at the beginning was that to have a uh a, a way of avoiding a hard border between Northern Ireland and Southern Ireland, right. um, and if there's a hard, and the, because of the Good Friday Agreement that was set, signed in, I think nineteen ninety eight. Mm -hmm. By the Blair government, Uh, there's actually been peace in Northern Ireland um, for, you know, the past 20 years because there's no there's not really been an appreciable border between the north and the south. Right. Um, If a border comes back again, then the, you know, the IRA slash, you know, freedom fighters, if you're from America, um, (laughs) you know, uh, terrorists, if you're from anywhere else. Would start kicking up again, and you know there'd be fighting. Mm-hmm. I think the, the from the other side, from the the Protestant side, from the DUP, who are just as much terrorists as the IRA are or were, what they don't want to have is a is is a is a is a uh, is basically you know no border between Northern Ireland and Southern Ireland within a Brexit context, which means there they there would then be a customs check or an effective border in the Irish Sea, which would then really separate out Northern Ireland from the mainland of Britain and really push Ireland to be reunited as a, as a single nation.
1: But why does Northern Ireland back Brexit then? Because it seems to me, if you wanted to remain in the UK, you would want to remain in the EU to keep the order.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I think... Again, I mean, Irish politics is super complicated. Right. But, I mean, I think, I think the main the the largest voting block in the in the, in northern ireland are the protestants so that, right. so that's right. of the, the, the the democratic unionists they will vote for anything that makes northern ireland more part of the united kingdom and less part of the island of ireland um, they don't like the eu because there is no border right. There is a frictionless border right. between Southern Ireland and Northern Ireland, which makes Ireland more unified.
1: <laughs> they don't have the Trump wall, effectively.
0: No, I mean they well. Again, I mean you know it's it's our Northern Irish politics are basically kind of tribal. I mean I don't think there's actually a huge amount of
1: well, so are American politics anymore. I mean,
0: cert- I mean c- certainly on the 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 Protestant side, the DUP side, there's not a lot of thought that's given to, act, to what's actually happening, it's all based on, you know, the Battle of the Boyne in 16, whenever whenever the Battle of the Boyne was, you mm. know. So there you go.
1: Long-term consequences. Do you, So do you think, I mean, what, there's there's less than a week now. There's a week before... Uh, yeah,
0: with, I mean, what's the date today? The date is... We are recording
1: fourth. this on uh, the 4th of April. The, the 4th of
0: April. She's got to go back to the EU with a substantially different deal to be negotiated... Um, that A, the EU want to negotiate, so it's got to be a softer Brexit, not not a harder one. Um, uh, and B, it's got to be, you know, substantially different uh, from the one that they've already agreed to. Right. Um, and then that will that will then give us an extension to kind of agree something they're not going to give us an extension beyond May the 22nd unless we want to participate in the European elections, which seems to be some kind of red line, certainly for the Conservative Party. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a mess, basically. And I think, certainly, if you look at what I've read about the French, the French are, at this point, saying, well, screw them, you know. Um, uh, they can leave with no deal. De Gaulle was right. You know? Yeah, I mean, we're not going to give them an extension, because all it is, all this is doing... Is prolonging it. Is, infect- is in- prolonging the agony and also starting to infect... The rest of the EU with this kind of, you know, this, well, maybe we should all be free nonsense. You know, Mm. if you look at the right wing, right wing governments in Poland and in Bulgaria and Hungary, um, if you look at the, you know, the Catalan kind of breakaway movements in Spain, you know, this could all, what, if you look at the right wing government in in Italy, just signed that huge trade agreement with China, Um, you know, this could all unravel very, very quickly. Um, If they just don't, if they just, if they, they don't really prove that leaving the EU is a disaster. Right. Well, Um, I think they're
1: proving that it is a disaster.
0: They're proving it very well. And I think the best way to kind of, you know, put the, put the kind of, you know, tin lid on the, on proving it is to kick them out, kick, (laughs) kick Britain out without, without a deal. Right. And that will demonstrate to everybody that actually staying within the union is a
1: lot better than leaving it. Yeah, your best deal. Yeah. So... Pretty much a foregone conclusion, you think, that uh, sometime this year, Britain will no longer be part of the EU?
0: You know, and this is one of the interesting things, listening. I mean, I read The Guardian every day, and that's my main... Source of news about Brexit, but I also listen to, as I said, you know, national public radio, you know, every morning, um, and you know, periodically, every couple of days, they'll have a kind of a Brexit segment, and they'll always finish off the segment by asking, you know, whoever it is, the person in London, like, okay, what's going so? Tell us what's going to happen, and and they always go, we've got no idea, and actually, (laughs) and you're sticking to that, (laughs) yeah. I mean, it's it's actually, it's, I mean, it's there is there is no. I don't think I don't think anyone can call this. No one knows what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And unlike most political problems, where like you know you, you everyone can vaguely see what's going to happen, with this one it's completely up in the air. I I don't know in six months what will happen in Great Britain mm-hmm. at all. Whether we'll be part of the EU, whether they'll give us a year extension, you know, whether they'll kick us out next week, right? Whether we'll call the whole thing off. Don't know. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. And I, and I think it's genuinely no one, no one knows. And what you need is a time machine to go forward <laughs> in time, like the Doctor would do, and um, find out what's going on. Yeah, Doctor Who's going to fix
1: it. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, one of the, that's the question, sort of what, what would happen to the show post-Brexit, because right now they're filming in the Canary Islands, which is part of Spain. It's indeed part of Spain. In past yes. series they've filmed in other parts of the EU. I think it's going to become a much more expensive show to make with crashing out of the EU. I, th-
0: I think. I mean, they're probably going to have to go to um, uh, South Africa a lot more and and less into the less into the EU. And I think you know, uh, Doctor Who's been to this huge success in Germany recently. Uh, it's it's going to change everything right. about Britain. And you know, obviously, Doctor Who is very much part of Britain. It's going to change the show too, mm-hmm. certainly.
1: Part of the change, I was listening to an interview of Neil Perryman of Wife in Space fame on the Galactic Yo-Yo podcast the other day with Dylan Marsh, who hosts that, and uh, Neil had an interesting or probably a controversial idea that with all this uh, damage to the United Kingdom that Brexit has done, and mm. post Whitaker, is there, is there a reason why the Doctor has to be played by a British actor anymore?
0: Ah, uh, I—I mean, I'm—you know—I'm so depressed about the whole thing. I'm—I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm, I'm with Neil on this one. It's like, yeah, why not? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, this kind of essential Britishness thing, which is something you mainly hear from Americans, to be honest. Really? Um And I think, I, well, I think it's because you know. Yeah,
1: well, at Gallifrey, there was Why's it got to be British? I think was one of the panels this. Yeah. Past did, year. did Did you go to that no, one? I, I, didn't. I did not go to that one.
0: Yeah, um, I don't think it's I I don't think that's a foregone conclusion anymore. I mean, I think actually, I think the greatest satire the Doctor Who could do of Brexit was actually to have the next Doctor be, <laughs> you know, be 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 non-British. You know, oh. which which I mean, the <laughs> downside of that is when we say the Doctor is non-British, it means they'll be an American or um, Canadian, because, uh, Australian. That's the same, <laughs> it's the same thing, really. In some ways, Did you really see them casting an Australian?
1: Good <laughs> day, good mate. Well, they did it with Tegan. Uh, yeah, maybe true. maybe oh. a Kiwi would be good because they're they're kind of like They're Britain. very popular at the moment. They are yeah. very popular, and generally, aside from the the terrorist attack on the which is done by an Australian, on the mosques, obviously. yeah, yeah. Generally, New Zealand gets the buzz that it's about sixty fifty years behind the times, and so that would put us right back into mid sixties. For there you go setting yeah. and you'd set yeah. it in new zealand
0: <laughs> set it in new zealand or maybe there would maybe they discover some more episodes well they did had in- did
1: have the uh, tom baker super annualization uh, commercials back in the late that's 90s true. that that's true yeah which uh really uh, i think it's the only time that the doctor's been in new zealand so uh, maybe a yeah. kiwi kiwi doctor kiwi doctor yeah yes oh that's that's
0: I mean, I mean, what do you think? I mean, I mean, do you, you think the Doctor has to be British, or do you think we've actually given up the right I... to have Doctor Who being a British person
1: anymore? Honestly, the the show is so different since its return in two thousand five. I'm not sure it's a requirement anymore. Yeah, and. Uh, the one thing I I think I think after uh, series eleven, the one thing I really wish they would give up is the sonic screwdriver. I think it's I think that uh, device has been played out. Especially the
0: Jodie Whittaker screwdriver, which you know also acts as a tricorder, and you know it's a, a magic
1: it's the magic wand,
0: an energy weapon. Yes, mm-hmm. as I think we've said before it's it basically it's it's a Harry Potter style wand is what mm-hmm. it is. Which is a shame because I like the sonic screwdriver.
1: Yeah, it when it has when it's being used as a <laughs> as when a it's tool, being used sparingly. <laughs> yeah. when
0: it's being used, you know, as a screwdriver, you know, super <laughs> as, Yes, as a screwdriver of some kind, exactly. Right. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, or something that uh, something with sound, like a, a Pertwee and the Sea Devils Beach, for example. Yeah, on the yes,
0: I right? cross between us, well. A sonic a sonic device. Yes, is what there we it go. Is. A sonic It's tool. a sonic. Yes. Yes. It's yes. not a tricorder. Like, <laughs> it's not a tricorder. It can't you know, it can't find out things. Right. Basically it emits sound waves at certain frequencies that can do things like unscrew things or explode mines. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't work on wood.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I, so I I so I wonder with maybe my disillusionment disillusionment with Dr. Who recently is the fairy tale no longer works with solving problems the doctor especially series 11 just asks us to be a witness on history rather than sweeping in and fixing fixing a situation and uh, you look at situations with the growing growing fascism in the west and right. Brexit and you know the racism of Trump and his very harsh nasty policies the doctor this isn't something where the doctor can whip into the oval office and pretend it's you know a smooth talk Nixon that that we right. had with the impossible astronaut it the, the fiction doesn't seem to work anymore right and right. and really kind of the scales came off when Moffat went with Let's Kill Hitler, which really is kind of an insulting thing, where you put the Doctor right in the place where he could deal with the Third Reich, and it's really a screwball comedy about River Song.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's as soon as you introduce that level of actual history or, you know, recent history into this kind of fiction, mm-hmm. it, it all becomes weird, you know. I mean, why didn't, you know, if you look at comics, you know, why, why didn't Superman stop the Holocaust? Right. Um, because he doesn't exist, and, and, right. and it does, um, or did. Um, so, you know, uh, our fictions break down mm-hmm. when you apply them to reality. It
1: worked, a be- it worked better when it was defending a small town or a base under siege. It was not saving the entire world.
0: Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So
1: with RTD bigging up the doctor, I think it also was a disservice in some ways.
0: Yeah, it's become, it's become a, I mean, we, by making it a bigger show, it kind of became a smaller show, unfortunately, yeah. I think, in some ways.
1: Do you think this means the doctor who is going to have a rest after Whitaker decides that she no longer wants to be the lead?
0: You mean like the queen? <laughs> um,
1: well, uh, I imagine that, like you said, there's going to be a recession, perhaps even a depression in the post-Brexit landscape of UK if they do crash out Uh, you know the cost of production might be too high either you take on an American actor or you know a non-British actor in the lead and make it a a co-production or maybe you give the show a rest
0: yeah I mean I you know as as much as I much as I hate to say it you know maybe it is time for the show to rest oh that's horrible um but mm-hmm. i don't know
1: it's already impacted big finish because it used to be that they would float one pound equals one dollar equals one canadian dollar for their pricing but they announced that they were going to have it actually float with the exchange rates now because i think that economic model doesn't work anymore yeah. for
0: them well we're certainly with the pound um yeah. yeah which is only going to continue to tank currency mm-hmm. fans i'd sell your pounds I'd sell your pounds quickly. I'd sell them before next Friday. To be honest, this is yeah. when I'd sell your pounds by. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's. I mean, we have another year or so, don't we, to wait before there's a new series.
1: Well, they're filming it now, so I would. I can't imagine there'd be a lot of change to what. What to would To the happen. Chibnall model. To well, to to twenty to twenty twenty season. Right. I, if they're filming. If they're filming now and they got a lot of the filming out of the way. That's true. Uh, you know, you can coast on fumes for a while. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I, I really hope that there's been some learning from the narrative problems of the of Series 11. Um, because I think it's it's got to be clear. As I said before, it's, it's got to be clear to everybody that, okay, it may have been popular in terms of audience figures but it was kind of a mess really good lord mm-hmm. in terms of stories and i really hope they're doing something about it well let's, um, well, let's we'll, hope. we'll just have to see basically because i said i mean i like jody as the doctor mm-hmm. i just think that they need to really punch up the storytelling and again as right. we've said before a new showrunner should be so full of wonderful ideas that you can barely even keep them down but uh, right. I don't know. Anyway,
1: it's not not what seemed to have happened.
0: Not with, not with the chib, no. Not with the chib.
1: Well, let's let's it be it would be interesting commentary. I think if I was showrunner, I would dare cast a non-British actor. If if there was a Brexit, that would be the Leave campaign for Doctor Who, effectively.
0: Yeah, and I think I think actually, I mean, you're right. I think the thing to do would be to go out to Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, I guess. Um, you could probably do. Um, it would be great to have a Caribbean doctor. You know, let's Ooh. get an Afro Caribbean person to <laughs> do it. I mean, you know, I you know how partisan I am about uh, Patterson Joseph. Um, he right. still would be, I think, an awesome doctor. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. Uh, so it's hard to predict yeah.
1: since it's hard to predict what's going to happen in uh, Britain within the next week.
0: Yeah. So it's certainly impossible to predict what's going to happen in Doctor Who in the next year. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. Well, a little bit of politics this week on the podcast,
1: and I think next time we will pick up with greatest show and continue on with our Ace retrospective. retrospective.
0: Well, I, I, if you've made you made it through this one, then um, <laughs> okay. and if you're listening in the future, please tell us what happens.
1: Yes, please. But this week, before this week, so we know what uh, exactly, yeah. know what to do. <laughs> just yeah, just uh,
0: just send a message back to us, okay? Using one of those boxes <laughs> like they have in uh, Neil Gaiman's episodes of Doctor Who. Uh, yeah. Oh well. Originally appeared in, of course, in um in War, so games. war games. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah,
1: yeah. The Doctor's wife from the War Games. Doctor's so. wife from the War
0: Games. Yes. Well, if you have been, thanks for listening. I've been talking with Ben, and I've been talking with David.
1: And goodbye. Ben.